welcome to our new show called In the Works by Career Services at the University of Calgary. I'll tell you more about the show, but why don't we start off with a song about work? this new show we're going to be talking about jobs and careers and all that's connected with it which is practically everything so there's definitely lots to discuss we'll try to give you some industry insights career tips event happenings and also just have some fun along the way I'm David Catterford. And I'm Lawrence Chan. David and I both work at Career Services, and we both see students on a regular basis, helping them with all things that are job search related. So you have resumes, interviews, career exploration, networking, you name it. And that's what our office Career Services as a whole does. We try to give students that support and connect them with employers so that they are career ready. So a big part of our show is going to feature an interview with a professional, some who have recently graduated, but also some who have worked a number of years. And what can listeners expect from that? You're, you're going to learn a little bit about jobs and, 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 and careers and what, what, pe- what makes people happy and motivated and why they like their jobs and things they don't like about their jobs. So I, I think it, it's going to be very informational for students kind of going into the the world of careers and kind of life beyond university Mm-hmm. for sure yeah we interviewed a number of guests working in many different areas so hopefully there's something for everyone so david i know you have a bit of a top three when it comes to how students prioritize things so it's academics relationships and careers third I guess, tell me a little bit more about that. I actually do it the the other way. I think kind of more first is more kind of you, friends, family, relationships. And then number two, I always kind of look at it as number two is is your job, uh, your your commitments that you're committed to. So I think with students, their job is to be the best student they can possibly be. And then I kind of, I like to kind of put career in a, in a third place. It's very, very important. But I, I think if you want to make better career decisions, I, I think you, you have to be well and, and your job has to be going well. And then, and then that's the best time to kind of think about career options and what you want to do next. Yeah, definitely. I know for a lot of incoming and first year students, you know, the focus is typically on doing well, kind of getting used to the university environment. And careers is something that they'll worry about later. But of course, I definitely think you don't want to wait too long. I know sometimes we see students in their final year, or after they've graduated. And it's kind of at that point, they start to think about, you know, what to do next and what their career is going to look like. So I think ideally in your second or third year is usually when you want to start thinking about, uh, you know, what the next steps are and to start 
forming a bit of a plan. Absolutely. Because I really do think that that networking and kind of exploring your career options is your prime time to do it is while you're at university. And, and I think that's why our office is so important in my opinion, because I, I think it's a perfect time to kind of start exploring your career options and looking at who you are and what you want to do. So for our upcoming segment, we interview a lot of individuals from many different areas. And I know we got lots of great information from them. So I guess tell me a little bit more about these information interviews, David. Well, I, I'm a real big believer in information interviews because I, I, I think that's where you find out your best information. So if a student wants to be a dentist, okay, great. Let's, let's check out the dental occupation on the Alice webpage. And then I, I think maybe read a couple books on dentistry or whatever. But I think you can find out the best information by talking to people that actually do that as a job. And that's what we call information interviews is when you interview somebody not to ask for a job, but to just learn from their expertise, ask questions, be curious, and, and, and kind of find out about what it is actually like to work as a dentist or, or whatever. I think it's, that's where you're going to get your best information is by talking to people actually working in the field. And they'll be able to tell you, the good, the bad, the ugly bits. And then also too, I think information interviews, you can really find out about companies and, and types of companies and, and, and company culture, which I think is very, very important as well. Great. So let's get to our Real People, Real Career segment and feature our first guest, Carmen Chelek. She completed both her bachelor and master's degree in biology and has worked in that field for a number of years now. More recently, she started her own company called Biodigenous Consulting and primarily does biological consulting with an emphasis on facilitating effective understanding and respectful Indigenous community engagement. One of the things that she is working on is doing research and a literature review on Western science and Indigenous knowledge in conservation. Interviewing her is David and our student co-host, Jing Feng. What are some areas that you find challenging about your current role? Yeah, so I mean, stepping away to work for myself and be an entrepreneur has its own obvious challenges. <laughs> but in general, I'm trained as a biologist or scientist, and I'm moving into this more social aspect of this field. And, and especially, you know, this relationship between conservation and Indigenous-led governance in Canada, it's such so complex. So working in this intersection between the two, in general, I, I see it's going to be a bit of a challenge, but um, I'm, I'm interested in learning more about it and seeing if I can make it less of a challenge. Mm -hmm. Good for you. So what's one sort of unique skill that Carmen brings to this job <laughs> that, that allows you to do it? <laughs> well, I I have since since university and since I knew that I was going to become a biologist, I love being outdoors. I love learning about interesting animals and plants and ecosystems. Kind of that geeky side of me <laughs> has helped me to be, I guess, successful as a biologist. 
where I'm at right now, growing up in an Aboriginal community, um, I think I've always wanted to learn more about how an Indigenous worldview can be incorporated into biodiversity conservation and land management. And so I think in a way that, like I said, sitting at that intersection of science and Indigenous knowledge um, is a bit of a unique aspect of me. Okay, so this is the go back, let's go back, let's go back to the past. And, and when, you're, when you were younger, what was your career plan? Or did you even have a plan? In kindergarten, I wanted to be a ballerina, but that was uh, something that I pushed to the side pretty quickly. And I realized that I, I had a love for science. And when I decided to come to university, I knew that I wanted to do a science degree. But I didn't know anybody that was a scientist growing up. So I assumed that if I did a science degree, I was probably going to try to get into medical school or dentistry school or something along those lines. But, you know, later I realized that you can have other <laughs> other careers as a scientist that aren't just based on medical or dentistry or things like that. Absolutely. So let's talk about your post-secondary experiences. So what does universities or your master's bring you right now? Yeah, so I, yeah, I attended UBC Okanagan in Kelowna. I did my Bachelor of Science with a major in biology. And I, I took a lot of really interesting ecology courses. And um, our university also offered some, some field courses. And I think in the field courses, that really gave me a taste for what it means to be a biologist. And I also completed uh, my master's of science degree. Um, and that was a little bit of an intimidating experience. I got a little bit of a taste of research when I was in my undergrad. Our university offered a couple of undergraduate research experiences in the summer, and I was lucky enough to be able to do those. And without those experiences, I don't think I would have thought that I could be a researcher and come up with my own research question and complete a long-term research project. Um, so I also learned a lot of technical skills like scientific writing, I learned how to code, I learned how to use mapping programs, and so those technical skills were also some of the things that made me more employable, and so my master's degree was very interesting to me as a topic, but it also gave me some extra skills. Okay, so kind of to change subject a little bit, but what, what does networking mean to you, and, and, and how, how do you network, and has it helped you? Yeah, I I was always intimidated. I knew in undergrad they they told us that if we wanted to get a job we should try to network. And I'm I'm generally I consider myself a little bit of a quieter person. I'm not the person to just go put myself out there like that. And some of my friends were a lot more like that in university. They would go to events with resumes in hand and go up to people and talk to them um, very easily. And I, I went at it at a different approach, I guess, and I just like to attend community events that were on certain subjects that I thought were interesting and where other local scientists or people working in my industry were going to be attending. And so I think for me, networking was even just, just being there and becoming a familiar face in these circles and, you know, being that person that someone can see and say, hey, I've seen you before. What do you do? Um, and so I think that was kind of maybe my unique spin on networking. Actually, I totally understand the situation you were in. Of course, I am a PhD, so I know that a lot mm -hmm. of graduate students, they are kind of introverted. So they <laughs> 
have their own kind of uh, curiosity in their own project, but less connected with all those student events. But I think for graduate students, that's these community uh, events that's related to your research topic that definitely will help you to get familiar with all the people there. And <laughs> yeah, and that's there's another question that I really want to know about your story. So who has influenced or inspired you along your career path? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to pinpoint one person. Um, I actually got my first job in the industry through a mentor. Um, I, I was a part of a women in science mentoring program that existed at my university and my mentor became my first boss and she really influenced my later part of my career path and, and just understanding the industry in general. Um, but overall, I would say that my family has really influenced me. I mean, growing up, I was outdoors a lot and um, my parents really, especially my mother, she, she was very into plants and animals and she instilled that kind of passion and interest in me from an early age. And then later on, I mean, especially even just attending university, my husband has been the one to just push me at every stage of my career path, including this new and interesting chapter that I'm in. Um, I'm, I'm not a, a, a very confident person, especially when it comes to trying to be an entrepreneur, but he's always there. He, he was the one who who's told me that I should try to go off on my own and try to do this thing that I think can make a difference in my field in, in a unique way and try to use my unique skills. And he was the one that said, no, you should do it now. Don't wait. Like, there's no reason you should wait. Just go and do it. And I think he's taught me that I grow the most from putting myself in uncomfortable situations. And those are the situations that I grow the most in. So he's been a big inspiration and push for me to get to that next level, whatever it is in my career path. Wow, sounds like a great husband. That's, that's great. <laughs> that's what you want. You want to have support systems. And it sounds to me like you have support systems. One of the things that Jing and I were talking about uh, in preparation was a lot of this environmental consulting work and, and, and land management and wildlife conservation. It's, it's slow moving, it's slow work, isn't it? It takes a long time to see results. So how do you keep yourself motivated? <laughs> That's a good question. It's, it's funny, working um, at an environmental consulting company, a lot of the work that you do is related to development. And so you're essentially going out and discovering all these beautiful animals and plants and ecosystems and writing up a report about it just for someone to submit an application to take most of it out. <laughs> In a way, that's kind of a sad thing to see, but I, I see it more as, you know, development and, you know, any type of project that requires a biologist to be on it. This work often needs to happen. And I'm just happy that a biologist does need to be involved in any aspect, even just to say that we're facilitating sustainable development and development that is considering at least the things that are most at risk. And so although we can't save it all, it's, yeah, you gotta, there's an idealistic part of being a biologist, but you also have to ride the line of being a realist and it's a, it's tough. It's a tough one to, to ride. And that's a, one of the tough things about being a biologist, especially when you're working a lot with development, but um, you're at least happy that you can be there and that it's being considered at all. And I think it's moving more in that direction. 
Um, okay, so now for the kind of the final part is kind of tips and wisdom to share with our listeners. But but don't don't go into this into this type of work if you are. Mm, I guess if you if you aren't a geek a little bit, <laughs> I mean, as a biologist, you I think you every biologist is different. Some people focus on aquatic things like fish and um, insects in the water and in water plants or terrestrial plants, land plants. Um, if you can't geek out about <laughs> all of these little things, it might not be something that you can sustain for a long time. Um, so yeah. You gotta be a little bit of a geek, I think, and <laughs> find interest in little things in nature. <laughs> yeah, so what actually is the bonus about going to this field? I think, depending on what you end up doing as a biologist, um, the little bonus that you have is getting to be outside. Uh, you get to see some interesting places and you get to be outside for at least a part of <laughs> your work. And you also get a lot of opportunities to work on your writing skills. You do write a lot of reports. <laughs> um, yeah, and you get to meet a lot of interesting people along the way as well. Okay, so what advice or tips would you give new grads or anybody entering the job market now? Yeah, and I think that being a biologist and getting your foot in the door as a biologist it's tough and it's competitive. And I think you really have to figure out a skill that you have that you can highlight. And so for myself, I was getting into this career with no experience, obviously, as all first grads are doing. And I realized while I was still in university that something that might help me get a job is to develop technical skills. So coding and mapping programs, um, writing skills. So these are things that I really tried to focus on before I entered the job market because I, I wanted to be put myself apart from other people that were applying for the same jobs. And having those technical skills were the reasons why I got in as a biologist. And from there, I could show them my skills, my other skills. Um, so I, I think just for anybody getting into this field, um, just realize that you have to set yourself apart in some way and it doesn't have to be technical skills, but just pick something and highlight it and make them realize why they, why you're different than other people. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Carmen, for, for participating in real people, real careers and have a great rest of your day and good luck with your business. Thank you so much. And it was so nice to meet you both. Wow, so that was a great interview. Those were some really good personal perspectives as to what it's like to be a biologist and all the different parts that she enjoys. If you missed any part of the interview or wanted to replay it, you can go to our website at ucalgary.ca careers. Each episode will feature an interview just like this one and hope to provide you with a lot of good personal and professional insight for your own career decision making. So now let's go to our next segment, which we call CD for Film and TV. This is where we apply a little career development to your favorite movie and TV characters. So let's turn on the projector, put in the VHS, or actually just turn on Netflix. 
So today we're going to start off with a pretty popular character, and that is Dwight from The Office. I'm joined by our career development specialist for master's students, Matthew Geddes, to talk more about him because he's a huge fan of the show. So I guess to start off, how would you describe this Dwight character? You know, Dwight is this amazing character. He's somewhat an over-the-top character who um, who's just very strong in his opinions. You know, what really stands out to me is he is this incredibly loyal person. He's very loyal to Michael, who runs the, um, the department. He's very loyal to the company. It's almost like he lives and breathes it. And then eventually he becomes very loyal to one of his colleagues, Angela, and they end up getting together. I would also describe him as quite a, I would say, very sort of traditional type personality. He is very literal. He takes everything very literally. Um, he's sort of this no-nonsense, and you know what you're dealing with. He is also a very intense individual um, who, you know, really doesn't necessarily tolerate a lot of things that sort of don't fit with who he is and the way he views the world. You couldn't handle my undivided attention. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, he, is, he is like that. He, yeah, he's this intense, over-the-top individual. Another thing that really stands out to me is he has this really strong competitive nature. Um, he always wants to be the best at whatever he does. He always wants to be the most successful salesperson and he'll do almost whatever it takes to achieve his goals yeah i guess he's not really worried about making any friends but of course i guess that's why we also enjoy some of the the pranks played on him totally he and and i think you're right he and that sort of creates a distance between him and others although i, I think eventually through uh, a series of setbacks he, he becomes a little bit less aggressive and a little bit more humble and a, you know a little bit more likable mm -hmm. yeah well i guess kind of one reoccurring thing or joke that comes up a lot is that dwight owns a beet farm you know he talks about it a lot and, and you know always references it but i think overall like he seems to enjoy it right and he's very proud of it and i think you kind of saw a different side of him yeah i think he at heart he's an entrepreneur and if i you know if i think in terms of um that personality, I like to refer to the Holland personalities. And one of those personalities is the um, entre entrepreneurial. And that's very much him, very much competitive, loves to think outside of the box, and really seems to have a, a, a strong business side and a desire to run his own business, which I think in some ways is probably the best thing. Shrewd Farms, Guten Tag. How can I help you? Yes, we have availability on those nights. How many in your party? Oh, no, I'm sorry. No king beds. No queen either. Well, we make our own mattresses that don't conform to the traditional sizes. <laughs> Closest would be twin. Thank you so much for calling. Call back again. Auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> Yeah, that's cute. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's his bed and breakfast, his infamous bed and breakfast that he uh, that he ran for a short while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
I guess kind of considering kind of all these things, like realistically, you know, what would have happened? I mean, the show is the show, right? That's, you know, the ending that they've given him. But realistically, you know, what do you think would have happened? You know, would he have gotten promoted or would he have, you know, look for or quit the company and look for something else? Um, well, that was always his dream was to sort of take charge and, and be that leader. Um, um, and uh, unfortunately, because of, I, I would say, his difficulties in getting lo- along with people because of this sort of hyper competitiveness, which really wasn't a good fit for his environment, that stopped him from getting promoting. Or I think he had a brief promotion, but quickly got demoted. And of course, that would create a lot of frustration for anyone. Now, if he perhaps came to see me feeling frustrated, not sure what he should do, maybe changing companies, I would have really wanted to explore that, um, his ability to get along with others. And I I would have liked to have a conversation around his emotional intelligence, because that emotional intelligence is something that is really valued in the workforce, and that's becoming increasingly important, especially if you want to, um, especially as you advance. It's not as important when you first start, but it is really important if you want to sort of advance up the career ladder, so to speak. I guess just thinking a little bit more broadly, aside from sales, what would you say are other areas that suit him or, or fit him better? You know, you know, and that, I like that. It's, it's all about that, that whole idea of fit. When there's a fit between the person and the environment, that's when people tend to be the most successful. And that's when they tend to actually enjoy what they do. In his case, you know, I, I do think he'd have to work his emotional intelligence, but, you know, being competitive is part of who he is, and that's not going to change. And that entrepreneurial side is not going to change. So I think an ideal environment for him would be one where he really can work mostly on his own. He's not having to be part of a, a bigger team. So I think that I, I do really like the idea of him running his own business, perhaps some sort of online marketing business where really it's about him getting the sales. It's not, he's not worried about leading a team or creating this cohesive team. And I think that kind of role would really fit him or something maybe even like pharmaceutical sales, which again is very competitive. I think those kinds of roles would be a much better fit for him than say being part of a fairly, not, not a really competitive office and you know being having to work with a number of people. Well, I don't know about you, but I definitely did like his bed and breakfast uh, business there. Uh, I guess, you know, how how much business he gets is a different story. But he, yeah, definitely, you know, seemed very invested and attentive to it. So, yeah, maybe that's something that's worth considering. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think he'd have to eventually go commercial, get those cleaning king beds. <laughs> but yeah, something something like that. And, you know, you know, apart from the show where they kind of exaggerate certain things, you're, you're right. That sort of that B&B or anything where he could just run it on his own um, and, it, and it wouldn't be about having to sort of work as part of a, a bigger team. Mm-hmm, right. Okay. That was a good little case study that we had for Dwight from The Office. And uh, I guess we'll kind of conclude things with a good, I guess, kind of, you know, job search tip attitude from Dwight himself. And I am officially on the job market and it's very exciting. For your convenience, I've broken it down into three parts. Professional resume, 
athletic and special skills resume. And Dwight Schrute trivia. I am ready to face any challenges that might be foolish enough to face me. <laughs> I love it. I, <laughs> if only more could have more of us could have that attitude, that would be great. Definitely. Okay, so thanks for joining us, Matthew. And we'll see you next time then. You're very welcome. Bye for now. So what do you think about that segment, David? That, that was an interesting segment. Matthew is certainly a character as well as Dwight. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I know you're a big movie guy. So, I mean, do you have any suggestions on who we should do next? Absolutely. We should do HAL 9000 from the movie 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's one of my favorite films of all time. I mean, I haven't seen that movie before, but, you know, who is HAL 9000? Is he a robot? He's not a robot. He, he, he's, he's a computer. Okay. That'll be interesting. We'll give it some thought. We'll just sit on it for now. But, uh, yeah, I guess why don't we wrap up the show? Okay, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to our first ever uh, radio show, In the Works. Okay, well, I hope everybody has a good holiday, and we'll talk to you next month.